0: Thank you for listening to the Modesto Foursquare podcast. We hope that this message encourages and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Please know that you can always join us every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, 510 Bernie Street in Modesto. You can also find more information on our website at modestofoursquare.com. Morning, we are going to be talking uh, in our last week of our series, uh, Jesus is the soon and coming king this morning, so... Oh, thank you for the water. Appreciate that. And Cassie did give me a hard time. She gave me this water because she said that you're supposed to do the cracker first and then the juice because it's supposed to wash the cracker down. But that's incorrect because the scripture actually does the juice first and then the cracker. So if I'm really going to do it in remembrance of Jesus, then I should do it the way the Bible says and not how our throat says. You can do it however you want. It doesn't matter. So <laughs> do it you want. So... I'm just saying you guys are being disobedient if you take it the other way. So <laughs> we can laugh, right? Church is fun to laugh. It's okay to laugh and have joy, right? We don't have to be all, all, you know. I don't know what that is. shoulder shrug. I, I remember this is not in my notes at all, but I remember um, I was in this thing, this Boy Scouts thing called cadets. I don't know if anybody, anybody's ever heard of cadets. We used to like. I'm not an outdoorsy person, so I was really bad at it. Um, but we used to like do the knot thing, you know, tie the knots and do the camping thing and all that stuff. And I remember every Sunday, um, hopefully nobody from this church uh, listens to our podcast, but every, every year we would have to do a cadet Sunday. And I remember going to this church and it was like unbelievably boring. Like I could not, like I literally wanted to fall asleep. It was so so boring. And I think every moment since then, I've told myself, I do not ever want to be a part of a church where I want to fall asleep, right? I want to be a part of a church that's fun, right? It doesn't have to be boring, right? If, if you do start falling asleep, I have tennis balls underneath here, and I, I'm free to just sling them at you, okay? So why don't you turn in your Bible with me to Luke chapter 19. Like I said, we've been on a four-week journey through a series that we're calling Jesus Is... We've been exploring the characteristics of Jesus. We've been looking at the nature of who he is and how he operates in our life, right? This is obviously not an exhaustive study um, because that would have absolutely no end if we ever just said, we're just gonna explore who Jesus is, right? We, w- we would be exploring forever and ever and all time, right? And that's really what churches in general, walking with Jesus is, is really that, that journey of figuring out who he is and, and what he does in our lives. But we've been focusing on Four parts of Jesus, which actually happens to be the four parts of the four squares, which this is a four-square church, um, which is Jesus is the Savior, right? That he came to bear the weight of our sins and conquer the power of death once and for all on the cross, right? And through the resurrection of the dead, he is our Savior. Number two, Jesus is the healer. He desires to heal our bodies, our minds, and our souls out of his vast and perfect love for us, right? Right? Because he loves us so much. Number three, Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. My wife knocked it out of the park last week on that one. That he wants to empower us to be his witnesses in Modesto and all over the world, right? That's the point of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this week, Jesus is the soon and king. That he is returning to crush the enemy once and for all and to bring us into eternity with himself, Right? This week, we're going to seek to study and understand this idea of Jesus as the soon-and-coming King. Are you guys, you guys ready for that? you guys okay with that? This last weekend, uh, I was at a, a memorial service, a funeral service. And, um, and uh, I think for all of us, funerals are not easy, right? They're not like something we look forward to, going to, um, even if the person knows the Lord. I mean, nobody's like really excited about doing that. They're filled with all sorts of emotions and feelings. I'm sure that we could say that for ourselves. And they make us, they make us miss our families. They make us miss those who are no longer with us, right? They, they stir up a lot of things in us. They make us consider our own mortality, right? That we don't live forever, right, in this physical body, right? Eventually this ends. I'm 35 and sometimes, you know, you don't think about that. You don't think about the end of your... My, my daughter was even telling me that somebody told her in Sunday school, that, that her mommy and daddy are going to die one day, which is a hard conversation now with a four-year-old. But, but the reality, right? We don't live forever, right? This makes us have to put our faith back in Jesus, right? It really has to make us realize that he, he's, he's either the real deal or he's not, right? This stuff that we believe, this stuff that we talk about, it's either true or it's not, right? When we face that in our lives. We're confronted with death in the grave. And this can be hard. It can test our faith. It can cause us to question. And you guys know that questions are okay? That God's okay with your questions? He's not afraid of them, right? He's not afraid of our worries or our concerns. He knows that we're human. He made us. Sometimes I think we that we think that God is surprised by us, Right? That somehow we're going to be that one person, that one in like 20 bajillion people that have lived on planet Earth that just happens to surprise God, right? He knows us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He created us. Scripture says he knit us together in our mother's womb. We're not going to surprise God with our questions. He's not going to, we're not going to ask him that one question and be like, man, I never thought of that one, right? So in the midst of our grief and our fears and our questioning, I believe that Jesus meets us right where we are, right? This is an opportunity for him to remind us that he alone is our soon and coming king, right? And I was at that service last weekend and I was reminded of that hope that we have in Jesus, right? That you and I as followers of Jesus, we know how the story ends. We know the end of the story, right? I had a friend of mine and he, there was this popular book series, and I remember him waiting in line at Barnes & Noble when people used to buy books at stores. And he went to Barnes & Noble, and he got this book, and he immediately got the book and went to the end and read the last chapter, and then he was going to go back and read the beginning, right? But uh, we as Christians, it's kind of like that. We know the end of the story, right? We don't have to be surprised that this is how it ends. First Thessalonians verse, uh, chapter 4, verses 13 and 14 says, Brothers and sisters, We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. We know where we're going when the lights turn off. We know that life on earth is not all there is. And this reality makes me think of two passages of scripture. One is in Luke 24, verses 5 and 6. This is the moment that some of Jesus' disciples, they go to the tomb, right, to to freshen up his body, right, to to basically perfume his body so it, it stays not stinky for a long period of time, right? And they encounter the angel of the Lord, and I love this passage. It says, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Right? You see, church, death is not the end. It was not the end for Jesus, nor is it the end for us. Earthly life is not the end. It is just the beginning. And we serve an eternal God, and we are eternal beings. The same way that Christ conquered death on the cross, he will also conquer the power of the enemy once and for all time. The second passage I think of is Revelation 21, verse 6. It says, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Our God, he is the Lord over all. There is no area he is not Lord. There is no area that he does not have authority or power over. There is nothing that he cannot do. He has existed forever and all time. As much as that breaks my brain to even think about a being that has existed forever and all time, right? Right? He has no beginning and no end. And we are on his team. We get to be on his team. We are picked. And so we too will win and inherit eternity with him in heaven, right? And so I know we're not talking about heaven this morning per se, but I believe that a perfect eternity with God is at the foundation of Jesus, the soon coming king, right? The, The Lord desires to return for his bride, his church, and bring us into the glory of life, forever and all time with Him, right? Ephesians five twenty seven describes that He's coming for a radiant and spotless church, without stain or wrinkle or other blemish, but holy and blameless. Whew, that's a tough one to read sometimes because you don't feel like you're a church that is without spot or blemish. But we just we talked about that this morning, right? That we have no spot or blemish because of His blood that covers over our sins, right? because of what he has accomplished, not because of us. Matthew 24, verse 44 says, so you must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour that you will not expect. And Revelation 21 speaks of Christ making all things new. He comes for his beautiful bride without death, mourning, crying, or pain. Right? Those things will be over. They will be done. Aren't you glad of that, church? that our Savior God, is He's coming for us. He's coming for us. He's not just coming for the person sitting next to you. He's coming for you, right? He is preparing us for His imminent return. I wish I could say it was going to be tomorrow, right, or the next day. And it could be, could be. I did did a study. This, again, isn't in my notes. I'm just going to admit it uh, up front. But when I was in college, I actually did a study on... uh, Churches that were waiting for the end of times, right? There was actually a big uh, period of time in American history at the early 1800s and there were all these people who were declaring that Jesus, they had these dates in mind, right? Like, we've done our math, we've, we have added two plus five equals seven, right? And we, you know, we, Jesus is coming back on this date, right? Then he wouldn't come back. Right? Because scripture says no one knows the hour or the time that he returns. And then they would just be, oh, no, 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 I was wrong. I had to recalculate, right? Two plus five actually equals nine. And so Jesus is actually coming back on this date, right? And so there's this whole thing about, you know, Jesus is coming back on this particular date, right? We don't know. The church has been waiting for 2,000 years for Jesus's return. But we know that it's imminent, right? Really, in the course of time, 2,000 years for God is, is like nothing, right? This is like a it's like a, a blip on the radar, right? And so it could be tomorrow. It could be another 2,000 years from now. I hope not, but it could be, right? But we need to be ready for his return. And it's going to be awesome for those of us who know him, right? For those of us who don't know him, it's not going to be quite as awesome. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. Again, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, right? And so he's going to allow, Scripture says, the old order to pass away, to bring us into new life in eternity with him. Aren't you glad that we get to get rid of these old tired bodies, right? He, he's going to give us new ones, a fresh new model, right? That never wears out, and never gets old, right? It never slouches over, it never has back pain or foot pain or head pain or wherever else you got pain, right? That all is going to go away. And it will be brought into the very presence of God, right? How sweet that's going to be to just stand before the throne of the Lord and just be in the full presence of God, right? We will have fullness of joy for the very first time, right? We will be totally complete for the very first time. And we will be with Jesus and all the other saints. We'll be reunited, right? I think heaven's going to be glorious, or there are going to be people from all over the world in heaven with us, right? Don't look like us or, I mean, I think we'll all have the same language, but, you know, didn't come from where we came from. I think that's what's awesome about the kingdom of God, right? 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 17 and says, And we will be with the Lord forever. Forever. Forever and ever and ever, right? Are any of you looking forward to this moment when Jesus comes back? or you go to be with him, right? One or the other. We're getting there. Whether we're getting there on a bus or a train, it doesn't matter, right? We're getting there at some point. I'm waiting. I cannot wait to meet Jesus on the day of his return, right? But that doesn't allow us, church, to put our lives on autopilot. And I've heard, been in church my whole life, and I've heard a lot of people say, you know, I'm just waiting for Jesus to come back. Just gonna go hang out in my little hole, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go live in my little, my little monastery and I'm just going to hide away and just try not to have anything bad happen to me until Jesus comes back, right? And that's not what Scripture says to us, right? We have work to do, church. That's why we're still here. Scripture says that he does not tarry in vain, but he, he gives us time to reach those who have never heard the name of Jesus, right? So in Luke 19, which I told you to turn to, Verse 11 through 26, it says, While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. Sometimes we think the kingdom of God is going to appear at once, right? He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country and gave himself, have himself appointed king and to return. He called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, We don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a small matter, I will take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir... Your mina has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man, and you take what you did not put in, and you reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, Take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you that everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. Interesting passage, right? So we find Jesus speaking as he often does in a parable or a story. And Christ knows that his time with them is short, right? This is coming to the end of his earthly body. And he wants to leave him with a couple more nuggets of truth, right? He speaks of a king who's entrusted his wealth to some servants. He tells them, quote, to put this money to work until I come back. This amount of money would have been equivalent to three months worth of wages. And he asks them to invest their resources wisely and produce a return on investments. And we see three outcomes, right, in this passage. One of the servants, he doubles his money, right? That's pretty good. Double your money. To which the king says, Well done, my good servant, because you have been trustworthy in a small matter. Take charge of ten cities. Right? Pretty good. Did pretty good. The second servant produces a 50% return on investment, right? to which the king also applauds him. The third servant, however, lets fear reign in his life and hid the money away. The king finds this man wicked because of his lack of investment and short-sightedness. From this man, he takes all he has and gives it to those he knows will be better stewards and invest it more wisely. He used to struggle with this passage, right? He used to struggle with that idea of God taking from those who don't have and giving it to somebody else, but it's really talking about the gospel. It's talking about eternity. And so you might be listening this morning wondering, what does this have to do with the second coming of Jesus? A lot, pretty much everything, right? You see, the Lord has trusted each one of us with 10 minas. This is called the gospel. We've each gotten an equal share of the good news of Jesus, right? He doesn't give five to you and five to you. He gives 10 To all of us. We each have gotten a dose of the gospel when we came to know Jesus. And as this parable describes, we were responsible to invest it as we've been given to produce a return. This means we are to share the gospel freely and allow others to be added to the church. Right? Produce a return on investment. That is our goal as followers of Jesus, to spread the good news to all who will listen. Right? Glenn Burris, our former president of Foursquare, he had this really cool quote this week. I loved it, and I'm going to share it this morning. He says, Too many Christians are no longer fishers of men, but keepers of the aquarium. Right? An aquarium is there's a set of fish, and that's all that we're going to let into this joint, right? That's not what God has called us to. He's called us to be fishers of men. The book of Titus chapter 2 Says that we should be eager to do what is good while we wait for the Lord's return. In 1 Thessalonians 4, it says that we should live in order to please God while we wait. The parable describes the Lord will shower more resources and more responsibility upon those who are faithful with what He has given them. Right? That's just a good investment. Right? If I had, say, I had a million dollars and this guy was promising me that I was going to get 5%, and this guy was promising me I was going to get 0%. Where would I put my million dollars? With the one who's going to give me 5%, right? It would be stupid to give it to the person who's going to give me 0 right? That doesn't make any sense. And so the Lord, in verse 24, says again, I'll read it. He said, Then to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. One theologian describes it this way, the the reward for work well done was more work to do. The great reward of God to the man who has satisfied the test is more trust, right? Church, we are called to be about his business until he takes us home. I don't care if you're one year old or a hundred years old. That mission has not changed. We've all been given this gospel. We've all been given our 10 minas. What are we going to do with those things? What, what is Jesus going to say about us when we stand before him, uh, when he's on his throne of grace, whether we are our body ends before he comes back or he comes back to get us? We're going to have to answer for what we've, we've done with our lives. And that's not, a, that's not a scary thing that we just shake each other and say, just do better, right? But church, he's calling us to be about his business. And you might be asking, what do I, what do, I do with this, pastor? What, how do I respond to this message. Well, I got three thoughts for you. You know me, I, I'm always like three points in the conclusion. Just, just who I am. Number one, be ready. Luke 12 speaks of keeping our lamps burning while we wait for the Lord's return. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Let's live in the reality that Christ could return at any moment. Let's realize that our time on earth to produce fruit is short, Right? Let's not waste our lives on other things except for serving Jesus and sharing the gospel. We know that we, we know where we're going when Jesus returns. We do not have to fear, right? We know how the story ends. We do not have to worry. We know that the Lord is coming to bring us home. We can stand and we can rest in that reality that he will make all things new, right? And this leads us to our second response. So the first one is be ready. Number two, be diligent. Church, we've got to keep our, Scripture says, we've got to keep our hands to the plow, right? Not turning back to look at what's behind us, but to look at what God has ahead. We have lots of work to do and not a lot of time to do it, right? There are billions of people on this planet that don't yet know Jesus, right? And we have him to share, right? He's given us this gospel and he's told us to share it, right? So let's stop having aquariums and let's go be fishers of men again. Let's be a people who are all about the gospel. Let's be all about his business until he returns, right? Not being distracted even by good things when we have a lot of God things to do, right? Sometimes I think the enemy tries to get us all turned around in all these really good things, right? there's, There's so many good things to do, church, right? But what is God telling us to do right here, right now, right? We can't do it all. We can't. I wish I could. I was telling Marianne, I talked to her on the phone this week. I said, I would love to be the kids pastor and the youth pastor and preach every Sunday morning and and take everybody on mission trips and be the one who does all the money. And I want to do it all, right? I'd love if I could do it all, but I can't, right? We can't do it all. We've got to do what God's called us to do in this moment, right? We've got to reach the people who are right in front of us, the ones that God has led to us, right? So we have to be diligent. Number three, we have to occupy. We serve the living God and he has authority over all things. We can and should walk in his power and his authority. We're on his team, remember? That same power that conquered the grave lives inside of us as followers of Jesus. He is the Alpha and the Omega. So let's retake the authority to be Jesus in our culture, right? To be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I'm not talking about politics or culture wars. I don't care about those things. This speaks of walking in the authority by the way that we love and serve the world. Not who is the President of the United States or isn't. This is us going out every day walking in the love and power of Jesus. Right? Scripture says, if someone's hungry, you feed them. If someone's thirsty, what do you do? You give them water. If someone's in need, you care for them. Right? It doesn't say, hey, go call somebody else to go do it. If you see something, you do something, right? And this is a physical and spiritual and emotional reality. Let's be the church again and stop asking the government to do what they're bad at anyways. Let's feed people and care for people and love people, right? And point them in the right direction. Right? Let's be a part of things that are producing fruit in our lives. Next month, I'm hoping, once we're done with Urban Exchange, I'm hoping that next, in, in March that we could raise funds for the Minnesota Gospel Mission, right? Because they're being the hands and feet of Jesus and we get to be a part of that, right? Let's do that, church. Let's be problem solvers. You see, Jesus is coming back. He's coming for us, his bride. But until then, we got stuff to do. We got work to do. So let's put our, I should have brought some gloves. Let's put our spiritual gloves and our spiritual boots on and let's get out and do it, right? Let's get out and do what the Lord is telling us to do. And again, the same way I told you that Jesus isn't just coming back for the person sitting next to you. Jesus isn't calling the person sitting next to you to go reach their neighborhood. He's calling you to do it, right? He's not just talking about the pastor or the evangelist or the missionary, right, that you give your 100 bucks a month to, right? That's not how this works. This is an all-hands-on-deck hand, situation, right? We've all been given our ten minas. So what are we going to do with it, church? Right? What are we going to do with what the Lord has given us? Let's not assume that somebody else is going to go do it. Right? We cannot leave this work to the professionals. Right? I'm going to have the worship team come back up. I'm going to give us three ways to respond this morning to Jesus, the soon-and-coming King. Number one, maybe you're in this room and you've never met Jesus that we're talking about. And you like to give him permission to come into your life and you want to secure your place in eternity with him. You want to know that when you leave this space, if something, he were to come back or God forbid something were to happen to you, that you would know where you were going. You know what team you're on, right? Maybe you're in here and you're feeling that way. Or maybe you just need a touch from the king, right? We talked about him being the king of kings and the Lord of lords and maybe you just have something that's going on you just need a touch from Jesus, right? You, want it, you need to come into the reality that he has authority over all in your life, right? Over all the things that you face, over all the difficulties that you have going on, that he is king over all those things, even if it doesn't seem like he is, right? And maybe, like me as I was reading this week, You've been just a little convicted about what you've been doing with your ten minas this morning, right? You're feeling that little, oh, I don't like that, right? I don't, oh, man, that stings a little, right? Anybody, anybody feeling that way? We're just, we're just going to get honest this morning, right? And it's not meant to be a lashing, right? This is meant to be an encouragement. This is meant to be a lifting up, right? Church, it's time to put our gloves on, time to put our boots on. It's time to do the work of Jesus and stop expecting somebody else to do it for us, right? And so maybe you just need an encouragement in that this morning, right? Maybe you've been afraid to talk to that one person or maybe you've been afraid that you're not going to have the right scriptures to pull out of your little scripture bag or you're not going to, you're not going to have the right words or you're going to mess it up in some way. The truth is you probably are going to mess it up in some way. But is your Jesus still on the throne? Is he still what he says he's going to be? Right? I'm guaranteeing you didn't come to know Jesus because somebody told you all the right words. Right? Because they had all the right things to say or all the right scriptures to pull out of their little bag. Right? You came to know Jesus because he met you in that moment and the very spirit of God came upon you and he changed you and wrecked you. And changed everything. Right? And so why don't we stand together, church, and I'm going to ask Bob and Alice to come up again because they're my designated prayers. And, uh, And Mark, why don't you come up as well and If for any of you this is pricking you or you just need a touch from Jesus, I want you to just come up and just get prayed for this morning and receive whatever encouragement or love or nudging that the Holy Spirit needs to do in your life this morning. I'm going to pray for us and then Cassie's going to lead us in one more song. Jesus, we thank you that you you reign and you rule and that has never changed. Has never changed and will never change. You are still on your throne. Your, your name still has power. Lord, we, we wait eagerly with our lights turned on, waiting for you to come back for the day that you will return. But until then, Lord, we stand in the victory that you have already purchased. We stand in the reality that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, and we choose this morning to be your hands and feet, Lord, that we are not keepers of the aquarium any longer, but we are fishers of men just like you talked about in the Gospels, Lord Jesus. Let us stand in that reality. Let us go forth with the truth that our time is short, Lord, but you are powerful in all your ways, Lord Jesus. Let us respond to you this morning, God. Let us give our lives back to you. Let us give our schedules back to you. Let us give our fears back to you, Lord, knowing that you will meet us in that space, Lord, that you will will be God in our lives whenever we need you to be. In Jesus' name, amen.